0: Everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, June 9th, 2019. Whoa, why would Kevin Fisher want to neck needle and then kidnap Phyllis of all people? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no clue. And from the looks of our previews for next week, Adam has no clue either. See I would have thought for sure if I hadn't seen that preview that Adam was somehow behind all of it, pulling Kevin's strings. But it appears that Kevin is going to be meeting with Adam to use Phyllis is kidnapping as a a weapon or a bargaining chip with him somehow? I don't know. But wow, Phyllis has plummeted further down the spiral this week in in a, a spectacularly terrible Fashion and I am not, by the way, talking about her actual fashion because that flat hair and funeral dress that she was wearing toward the end of the week where it was not flattering at all. YNR could at least be sending Gina Tognoni out and off of our screens looking better than that. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm alone in that, but I thought she was just dressed for a funeral. I was not impressed. The only thing that was impressive was how incredibly low Phyllis has gotten. Let's start at the beginning. Because while Jabot Collective was celebrating their smash success... Phyllis was just getting smashed. (laughs) She decided that she was so salty over Lauren forcing her hand to pull the plug on the whole Jabot knockoff website that she was going to crash the Abbott celebration party and cause some drama. She did. She made a scene. She embarrassed herself. She embarrassed... Summer, and she ignited this very scary feud with Lauren that I think might be very interesting in the future, but yeah, it was scary. (laughs) And then Phyllis just throws back a couple of glasses of champagne while she's there, gets in her car, and then almost crashes it into Adam. (laughs) Phyllis is like driving down the highway at night, listening to a variety of tunes. I really was interested in what Phyllis's radio choices were. But she gets into this almost crash. So she pulls off to the side of the highway alone at night, drunk, presumably to get into an altercation with whoever the other driver was. But surprise, it was Adam. Okay. Okay. Side note, uh, can we all just agree that we should never see Adam on a roadside again? I thought that that was
1: implied, but apparently not. But perhaps being a gentleman, or
0: perhaps sensing an opportunity... Adam invites Phyllis back to the tech house for a cookie and a cup of coffee to sober up. And they start talking about this town and what it means to be successful and respected in this town. And all of that talk turns to revenge on this town. And all of that talk turns into Adam offering Phyllis $1 million of his $50 million brand new windfall that he got from Victoria to hack into Dark Horse's servers and get... Some dirt on Nick that Adam can then use to have an upper hand on his brother. Well, at first Phyllis says, no, (laughs) I could really use a million dollars right about now, but I'm going to have to turn you down. Maybe it wouldn't be the very best idea to do something illegal to the father of my child. But Adam keeps pushing he wants her to hack into Dark Horse to get him leverage over Nick that will allow him to trade that leverage for custody of Christian. I don't know, that is pretty scummy, Adam. And it's also really hard to watch Phyllis getting pulled into the scum because Adam, by Phyllis's own admission is playing on Phyllis's emotions. He has fanned the flames of Phyllis feeling like an outcast in this town to the point where I think that Phyllis is even seeing enemies where there aren't any. See, I said a couple of weeks ago when we learned about the casting change for Phyllis that one of the things I loved the most about Gina Tognoni's Phyllis um, is that Gina and also the writers who were behind the character of Phyllis, they were able to take that character... Out of the realm of Crazy Town and into a very smart, sophisticated, identifiable place. And now that we are on the cusp of the transition back to Michelle Stafford, it seems like the writers are hanging a sharp left back to Crazy Town, and that does concern me. It does disappoint me a little bit to see Phyllis this way and the way she was over the course of this past week in her downward spiral. Because Phyllis wasn't being smart and strategic about what she was doing. To me, she was feeling and putting off a vibe of being weak and manipulated by Adam, and also just desperate for cash. Yuck. Adam is winding Phyllis up and pointing her like a weapon at the Newmans. He's playing on her feelings of being an outsider, and he asks her to come along with him to go crash Billy and Victoria's recommitment ceremony So that's what they go do. (laughs) They just walk into the recommitment ceremony uninvited and make a scene. Now, for Adam's part, I think that Adam just wants to get into Victoria's face again and rub some stuff into her face again. And then he also wants to get up in there and make some vague threats to Nick about Christian. Yeah, that whole scene, I. Adam's gonna be a great father to that kid, for sure, as evidenced by that whole party crashing. I can just see it now. For Phyllis, though, I wanna focus on her a little bit here, because Phyllis was acting to me like she was just a jealous ex at that party. Like she was jealous of watching Billy get. Re- almost married and f- being in love with another woman. And she was jealous of Jack for enjoying his success at Jabot And she also even seemed jealous of Nick that he was defending Summer when Phyllis has decided to lump her own daughter onto her enemies list. Okay, Phyllis feels like Summer is making a mistake by working at jabot but i don't know that that is enough of a reason for phyllis to destroy the mother-daughter relationship which they were able to just get back on track after everything that happened last year with billy It seems extreme, although almost in a way not extreme enough. If Phyllis really wanted to make a splash at Billy and Victoria's recommitment ceremony, then why didn't Phyllis just tell everybody at the party that Billy had revenge sex with Summer just to get back at her? That would have dropped some jaws. (laughs) That would have really made a scene on Billy and Victoria's happy, happy day. Maybe it's just because Billy is not the intended target. It seems now that Nick is because in the end, at the end of that party, Phyllis took all of her feelings of resentment and anger and she just turned them onto Nick, (laughs) Adam's convenient enemy. Hmm, funny how that worked out for him. Phyllis just decided that Nick was the end-all, be-all enemy at the end of it all. Nick was just simply and mildly defending their daughter to Phyllis and trying to put her in check on what she's doing, who she's cohorting with. And I don't know, Nick was just so appalled by her behavior. He mentioned something to her about... Is she no better than Adam? You know, maybe she's just like Adam. If this is who she's choosing to hang out, maybe she's just like him, in fact. And I thought that was interesting. It, it, the whole thing jumped from zero to 60 with Phyllis and Nick so very quickly, but I thought it was an interesting question. Is Phyllis the female Adam? And is that the direction that YNR is trying to push the character? Because, I don't know, to me, Adam seems to know exactly what he's doing, whereas Phyllis just seems unhinged. I don't know, is that just a perception? Phyllis seems to be, you know, waffling back and forth between what she really wants to do, whereas Adam seems to have a very clear sense of his direction and his purpose, and he's willing to do whatever he has to do to get it. But Phyllis's enemies list has changed quite a bit. I mean, last week it was actually the Abbots, and this week it's Nick, and it's just, it doesn't feel as clear and motivated to me. So I'm not sure that Phyllis really is the female Adam. I don't know. Phyllis and Adam end up leaving the party separately, and she goes back to the tack house where he's there, and she, with her head down, and in a kind of shameful way, decides to accept his offer to hack into Dark Horse. She didn't feel like she was really owning it and felt good about the decision. To me, she seemed to feel a little bit guilty about it. Adam really had to lay on thickly her, you know, the, to, to get her to feel like it's something that she should do. And after the party that just created the catalyst that allowed her to go along with it, she's going to hack into Dark Horse to find information on Nick that can be used as a bargaining chip for getting custody of Christian And not only that, but now the price is not $1 million, but it's $2.5 million. $2.5 million for a kid? For the kid is kind of what it sort of is, like, coming down to. That's
1: pretty sick and twisted. But apparently, Phyllis is able to hack into those Dark Horse
0: servers like magic through the front end of their website, which is hilarious to me. I loved how quickly she did it, too. It was like two to three minutes on the Dark Horse front end website, and she's throwing up her arms in victory. Success! (laughs) Because that's how it works. All companies have their back-end server files just accessible through, like, darkhorse.com. Okay. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. Oh, uh, well, Adam practically pushed Phyllis right out of the way as soon as she gained access into their servers. And he starts going through the company files and he finds out that Nick is something like $27 million in debt. This is so many big numbers this week. Adam got $50 million from Victoria. Phyllis wanted $1, no, $2.5 million from Adam. There's $27 million in debt from Dark Horse. This is so many numbers. (laughs) And why, by the way, would Nick have $27 million in debt with a single lender? That is absurd. Most companies, and individuals for that matter, would have a debt of that size with multiple lenders, but apparently there's just one dude out there who was like, yeah, sure, Nick, I'll give you $27 million, and then I'll turn around and sell that debt to the shady guy who just called me on the phone asking to buy it. Okay. <laughs> I guess so. Well, that's exactly what Adam does. He pays $27 million to Nick's lender to buy that debt so that he can own Nick's debt and then call in the note if Nick doesn't hand custody of Christian over to Adam. And he's effectively forcing Nick to choose between Christian and his company, his business that he founded. I'm like... Damn, Adam, that was elaborate. You could have gotten so much more bang for your buck hiring a team of lawyers. Maybe it would have cost you a couple hundred thousand dollars and you could have just sued Nick for custody of the child. Who you know nothing about and have made absolutely no efforts to get to know, except for maybe like introducing yourself twice and having a couple of five minute meetings with him that were very uncomfortable. (laughs) This was a really long and expensive way to go about it, Adam. That's all I'm saying, which is the point that Nick made when Adam went to Dark Horse and enjoyed holding that little bomb over Nick's head, threatening to detonate it. And and Nick said, you don't even know, my son. I'm not going
1: to hand him over to you, so go ahead. Pull the pin. Granted, Christian is not Nick's biological son. But Nick has been
0: raising him as if he was. The paternal instinct is there. It always has been. He sees Christian as nothing less than his own son. So I think that that's where Nick's heart is coming from. I think Nick's intentions for the child are pure. And to suddenly abandon that child and hand him over to the care of a stranger would be devastating to the child and to him. I'm, I don't know how exactly old Christian is. What is he, three, four? My daughter is two or three. She would definitely know if I was just gone from her life. So I can only imagine that that's exactly what Nick is thinking too. There's no way that I'm just going to abandon my child. I'm sure that a lot of biological parents pop up out of the woodwork after years of letting their child be raised by the adoptive parents. But they don't just get to crash through the living room wall and turn around and walk out the door with the kid that they abandoned. I mean, they can go ahead and sue for custody, then go ahead and give that a try, or here's a crazy idea. Why don't you try to develop a relationship with the kid first? <laughs> try to earn that relationship back. Adam just came in with guns a-blazin'. And the more he blazes, the more it makes me empathetic with Nick. The more it pushes me to Nick's side. So how about you? I've given you my view of it, but my view is certainly not the only view of it. In this battle of Nick versus Adam for paternity of Christian, who are you rooting for? YRChat.com, That's our poll question of the week. Who do you think should have custody of Christian? Adam, the biological father, or Nick, the uh, the adoptive father? Uh, if you had to pick for today, who should have uh, custody of Christian? I mean, I'm not talking like two, three years down the road. If Adam's able to X, Y, Z, I mean, who do you think that Nick should just hand over? The child, Um, go vote in that poll and give me some opinions on that. Uh, uh, Feel free to weigh in. Oh, I don't know. I just, I'm I'm so on Nick's side at this point. Phyllis made this remark to Nick at Billy and Victoria's non-wedding, saying to him something to the effect of, well, what makes you so sure that you're the good brother and Adam's the bad brother? And I thought, oh, well, that's an interesting question. But I'm not sure if it really is a matter of good or bad. But perhaps it's a matter of right or wrong. Because in this instance, I think that Adam is wrong. I can understand him wanting to bond with his son. But that's not what he's doing. Nick seems to be the only one who is actually talking about who the child is and what is best for him. I don't get any sense from Nick that there is any element of pride or revenge like, to any of this, I don't think Nick is coming from a place of pride or revenge or anything but love for the child. And I can't say the same for Adam. I think Adam is coming from this entirely from a place of pride and revenge. And frankly, if the poll question is, who do you like better, <laughs> then I'm definitely going to choose Nick at this point. That's not the poll question, but that's if it were, I would pick Nick at this point. I would also like to go on record that if the poll question were who would you rather sleep with (laughs) at this point, I would also choose Nick. (laughs) Adam is making it really hard for me to want to sleep with him right now. That's all I'm saying. Adam Newman, you are going to have to do some real work to get me to want to sleep with
1: you now. You have got a long way to go with this girl. Adam isn't fighting half as hard to get Chelsea and Connor back as he is to get
0: Christian back. What does that say about his motives? And it also makes me wonder what role Chelsea is going to play in all of this when she returns. Sharon <laughs> talked on the phone to Chelsea. Good talk, apparently. Chelsea tells Sharon that, you know, she's married and her new husband has adopted Connor. Well, why doesn't Adam go and try to blackmail that guy for custody of his other kid? (sighs) Uh, Apparently, uh, Chelsea also told Sharon that she doesn't want to have anything to do with Adam. But we didn't hear that conversation. All we heard was Sharon recounting that conversation. We didn't hear Chelsea. We didn't see Chelsea's face. Could Sharon be lying about any or all of that? Hmm. Ray told Sharon this week that he is very worried about Adam potentially manipulating her. And he is right. But I also wonder, what if Sharon is manipulating Adam? Is that giving her way too much credit? I'm not sure. But it doesn't entirely make sense that Sharon is taking such a mild stance on Adam's custody quest for Christian. Sharon has a personal connection to that child. (laughs) She also raised him for a while. And Sharon also assured Nick when she brought and encouraged Adam to come back to Genoa City that Adam would not be doing anything that he's doing now. Sharon assured Nick that Adam didn't want custody of Christian. So... There's got to be more going on with her. She seems like she's just fully supporting Adam no matter what he's doing, no matter even that he kind of gave her the blow off a couple of weeks ago. She's just totally under the Adam spell, or there is more going on with her. Sharon actually did run into Phyllis at the tack house after when Adam wasn't there. And Sharon said that she thought that was strange. She told Ray and Nick all about it when Nick came over to the house to fill Ray in on the coup that Adam just pulled. So Sharon was able to fill in the blanks with Nick about Phyllis' involvement in how Adam got this information on his debt. I laughed, though, when Sharon and Ray and Nick were all standing there talking about Adam. (laughs) And Nick brought up what Adam did to Sharon and Faith having assumed that Ray knew all about it and Nick goes what you didn't tell him all about it and Sharon goes well I guess I have to now (laughs) no I did fail to mention the fact that he stole my baby made me think she was dead and then I later married him yeah I forgot to mention that but I guess now we're going to have to have that conversation (laughs) It really truly is like Sharon is just making excuses for Adam right now. But yeah, that whole incident with Faith all those years ago, it was always a sticking point in why Sharon would ever have anything to do with Adam again, let alone marry him, let alone be friends with him. I mean, the fans, many of them couldn't get past that thing that happened with Faith when it came to Sharon and Adam's relationship. Why would she fall in love with a man who stole her baby, who made her think that her baby was dead? Um, And it, It was funny to me that YNR and Nick, they were all bringing that back up again. It felt like we were rehashing all of that again this week. And as Sharon was explaining it to Ray, he had a little bit of a skeptical look on his face. I screen capped it because he was right. He was right to be a little skeptical. I really do love, though, that Ray seems to accept Sharon in that same way that Sharon accepts Adam. He just loves her and listens to her and goes along with it and they are working together as a team right now. In fact, it seems like most of the YNR chatters really love Ray and Sharon or at least think that Ray is better for Sharon. I asked you guys in a poll last week who brings the better heat, Sharon and Ray or Sharon and Adam, and the majority of you, 85% said give me Sharon and Ray all the way. (laughs) Only 10 votes, 10 people, 15% said Sharon plus Adam. Make it happen. I voted Sharon and Ray, I like them. I wonder if they're going to continue to work as a team, maybe to track down Chloe because Ray Has learned in his very short time in Genoa City that just because someone is presumed dead, even if you see the body with your own two eyes, it does not mean that they are necessarily dead. And Ray feels bad that he didn't catch Phyllis and Adam's hacking attempt. I mean, he's working security for Nick now, he's the head of security for Dark Horse. He had no idea that there was this big breach. So I'm thinking that Ray is gonna have to be in charge of finding Chloe. Or he's gonna risk losing his job. Oh boy, wouldn't it be kind of clever if Sharon was tagging along with Ray to to you know under the under under the assumption of either trying to find Chloe or but or uh, and maybe ended up ending up rescuing Phyllis? I'm wondering if. Ray and Sharon are going to end up finding Phyllis passed out in a coma or something because when Michelle Stafford left the role of Phyllis, it was right after Phyllis and Sharon had gotten into this altercation on the staircase and Phyllis fell down it and went into a coma, went off screen, came back as Gina Tognoni. Wouldn't it be kind of clever if in a couple of weeks Sharon found Phyllis in another coma
1: And she came back from it this time as Michelle Stafford? Early in the week, Victor told
0: Adam that he would not help him get back custody of Christian away from Nick, and Adam didn't like that. (laughs) So Adam has a little tantrum, tells Victor that he's not going to work at his company. He stomps off takes Victoria's 50 million dollar deal but he also then pretty much welched on that deal immediately Victoria gave him 50 million to just go away and he didn't go away. He was supposed to leave town. <laughs> so is Victoria still patting herself on the back about how ruthless she is and how she can really compete with these guys? Because Adam had three demands. She gave in to two of them. And Adam's still working on number three at all costs. But crying out loud, not only did Victoria get played by Adam, <laughs> but Adam practically ended up using Victoria's own money to buy Dark Horse out from under Nick. <laughs> way to go, way to go, girl. <laughs> Adam is the—he's like he's the only winner. Everybody else is losing left and right, and Adam is just win, win, win and steamrolling through town. Does Victoria even really need to be wrapped up in all of this drama with Adam after everything that she went through last year with JT? I just wonder if Victoria should have quit while she was ahead. Forget about Adam. Forget about Newman Enterprises. Just focus on her non-wedding with Billy, maybe go on a non-honeymoon to Jamaica and just relax for a couple of months. She would have been smarter to just kick back in a hammock and watch all of this go down, at least for a little bit. I mean, I know that that wouldn't be very exciting for long, but at least for a little bit. I cannot believe how (laughs) forgiving Victoria was that Phyllis and Adam crashed her big day with her children standing right there. She did not let any of that bother her. She said, that's fine. We got our vows in. They can go ahead and crash my wedding if they want to. I don't know who this woman is. But I thought that, The ceremony was nice. I liked that they kept it casual, no formal vows. Katie and Johnny made gifts that their parents could give to each other in exchange instead of rings. Um, Victoria got what looked like a pretty sweet paper plate craft necklace <laughs> instead of a ring and also it looked like Billy got a pretty cool puffy paint handkerchief. Yeah, I, I mean that was neat. I, I thought it was something a little bit non-traditional but also very sweet. I thought all of the flowers were beautiful. The arrangements, the way the stage was set up to frame the happy couple as they stood there doing their vow-ish is. <laughs> Um, I loved all of those. O- like oval-shaped champagne glasses. A lot of times you see the the tall stem champagne glasses, but this event had the ones that were like a shorter cup. I love glassware. I especially love vintage glassware. I have. You should see my cabinets. I have so much glassware, but I don't have any of those champagne flutes that are like cups. And there's just something sort of vintage and you know, like a, I don't know, like old school timey kind of party about those. But I I don't know. It was a little touch that I thought I thought all the Champagne looked pretty bubbling in those glasses. It was, you know, it was a little exciting. I liked the little touches. But what was most exciting to me, by the way, was how after Phyllis crashed that party, she dashed over into the ladies' room, you know, to go pee. (laughs) And she walked out of the ladies' room, and we actually saw that restroom door open up. I mean, we didn't see very much of it, but we at least saw that 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 restroom door opens and there was a, like, wallpapered wall behind it, a little bit of a foyer. I don't know. I thought it was cool to see a a tiny little sneak peek into that society restroom as Phyllis walked out of it. How nice of YNR to grant that request of mine. It was one of the, the things that I mentioned when we first saw that society set. I was like, ooh, a bathroom! And now we actually saw a little bit of it. Is it bad that my favorite part of that entire event might very
1: well have been able to get a sneak peek into the bathroom. Abby sees a text message coming in from
0: Victor Newman, her father, to Nate who's Victor's personal physician, and it's something about results and treatment, and Abby realizes immediately that something is off about that. Why would my father be texting him about treatment? So she asks Nate, For details on Victor's condition. And understandably, Nate wouldn't give them. He shouldn't, obviously. Um, He's just doing his job, and Abby, I would think, should respect that. that There are some boundaries that he's not going to be able to cross. She kind of huffed off, though. She was a little angry with him about it. I mean, they just got together last week, and they're already having a, a first fight this week. Um... Abby then decides to go do what she should do. The the right thing is to just approach Victor about it. Just go to Victor for answers. And of course he's going to evade. I mean, Victor (laughs) tells Abby that, oh, he was just texting Nick because he has has a back injury. He even kind of does a little, oh, my
1: back, my back,
0: (laughs) just for effect. But it's a total lie. Abby didn't buy it. Uh, So she goes to... Nikki about her concern. I thought that was a smart move. And then Nikki goes to Victor and asks him for once in his life to be honest with her. And for once in his life, he was honest with her. Victor informs Nikki and us, the audience, that he has a rare blood Disorder. Hooray. Hooray! A rare blood disorder. This ought to be uplifting after going through Neil's death and funeral. Yay! Hmm. Victor had mentioned last week (laughs) that when he was talking to Nate about treatments, he said, okay, well, we're going to fight this. We know now they're talking about his rare blood, 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 blood disorder. Says, okay, we're going to try all of the treatments that we can try, no matter how experimental. Well, gee, I wonder... (laughs) If there might be some kind of experimental treatment wherein one of Victor's blood, blood, blood relatives or children could give him a blood transfusion and save his life. And hmm, I wonder if Adam will be the match. Hmm, I wonder if Adam will try to use that as a bargaining chip
1: to get something that he wants. I said this at the website. Whatever happened to the announcer
0: coming over the the show and saying to us, the role of so-and-so is now being played by so-and-so. Would it have been too much to ask to let us know that Theo had been recast? I was so confused. Because Theo was on for two to three episodes and then this week the actor changed and there was absolutely no notice. I, I'm i guessing that maybe it was filmed out of sequence or something. Maybe this current Theo that we saw this week, maybe that was filmed first and then they went back and filled in some scenes with the other guy that we saw and so that's why they wouldn't have put that on the uh, I don't know! <laughs> I I thought I was going crazy the day that he came on the air. I was like, I did I call another guy Theo? Was I wrong on my YNR chat? Oh, I'm such a fool. I felt embarrassed at first because I thought, oh my gosh, I must have thought that other guy was Theo. <laughs> no, it was Theo. He just has a whole different head now. <laughs> also instead of that really cool Nazanine girl that was with them we have vapid Nat- what was it Natalia now or Nat- Natalie or something i don't know i will admit though this theo this version of him seems like a better physical match for summer he's a little less boy band and a little more hunk a hunk a burnin love <laughs> I mean he's hunky. I, I did kind of want to shake him into reality a little bit after seeing his dorky dance moves and I'm gonna have to insist that he get a little bit of a haircut. It doesn't have to be short but I need a little bit more trimmed off of that hair <laughs> before I can really really get into him but I think I can get there. He's attractive and Summer was very attracted to him. She was very impressed with him. She was partying and throwing back shots with him all week she was throwing back shots like a girl who did not just recently have a liver transplant. She is she's making that liver work really hard right now. <laughs> All of her organs are working hard right now. She, Summer goes back to Theo's hotel room to hang out and also to make out and then also to wake up in bed together the next morning. I mean... Okay, it seemed like they agreed. They had a good time. They're keeping things casual. (laughs) And meanwhile, stuffy old Kyle is at home, decidedly not doing shots, decidedly not going out dancing and partying and joining into the reindeer games. I think Kyle is just at a different place in his life. I mean, both are okay options. But I think Kyle is enjoying building his life and his home right now with Lola. He does not need to be out on the dance floor, drinking back shots, trying to fill some kind of a void. That's what Summer's doing. It's very obvious. And Kyle just doesn't need to do that he does express a little bit of concern about summer to lola and also to summer summer had brought theo to billy and victoria's ceremony and as soon as theo scooted away kyle came up to summer and tried to talk to her a little bit check in with her make sure that she was all right and she pretty much said well thanks for your concern but who needs you which was kind of her vibe throughout the whole week like yeah this guy screwed me over i really can't stand him but he's still in my life and i have to tolerate him yeah i mean that whole marriage the whole thing was screwed up and it wasn't either only one of them's fault i mean it was both of it was a mess of both of their making after billy and victoria's ceremony though and after having talked to summer kyle I think had this sort of renewed sense of himself and what he wanted. He sneaked back into the society kitchen where Lolo was working and he was so moved by the romance in the air that he spontaneously proposed to Lola. She was stunned. I, I was stunned. It came out of nowhere. I mean, they had just finished doing this cute little thing where they tied a cocktail napkin around each other's fingers, but it was supposed to be just cute and pretend. Neither of them thought that it was for real. Uh, but but then, he, he there you go. Then he just came out. He proposed. I really think that Kyle was just so overcome with his love for Lola. And also, after watching Billy and Victoria's ceremony, I think Kyle had a glimpse of the kind of life and the kind of marriage that he actually would like to have. And so he just blurted that proposal out. At first, Lola turns him down. She says, oh, it's just all too sudden. It's all too soon. And it is. It most certainly is too soon and too sudden. But eh, the heart wants what the heart wants. I don't know. Lola did start to really, really think about the idea. She took Kyle's proposal seriously. She heard it. And she went and talked to Ray. She got a list of Cons <laughs> for why she should not marry Kyle from Ray. And she also overhears Summer giving her own little list of cons unknowingly. Summer had overheard Kyle talking to Jack about his proposal to Lola. And Summer was just hurt. She, you know, I think it was understandable. She's been burned in all of her marriages. And she really wanted to make it work with Kyle, foolishly. And now here we are. The divorce isn't even final, and Kyle's already in love and getting married again, so Summer's talking to Theo about it all, really bashing on the idea of marriage, and Lola overhears it. And... Oddly, that's what makes Lola decide that she really does want to marry Kyle. So (laughs) Lola goes back to the apartment to tell Kyle, just as Kyle is hanging up the DIY, I'm sorry, banner decor, (laughs) that shot of Kyle standing in front of the banner that he probably made With each letter spelling out the phrase, I'm sorry, I screen capped it, of course, because if that moment does not encapsulate Kyle and Lola's relationship perfectly, I don't know what is. That is the cycle of these two. Kyle does something well-meaning and wrong. (laughs) Lola is offended. She gets ticked off at him. He apologizes. They kiss and make up. That's the cycle. It's happened a dozen times in the short amount of time that these two know each other, and this time is no exception. But Lola comes home and she says, No, 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 don't be sorry. I love you. I changed my mind. She accepts his proposal, and the ring and the big expensive wedding, all of that stuff will come later. My favorite part of this little journey was Kyle asking Ray for his permission for Lola's hand in marriage. I thought that that was a really well-written piece of dialogue between those two guys, and it was delivered really well by both of the actors. I thought that Ray played the overprotective big brother role perfectly, and Kyle played the slightly scared but sweet suitor (laughs) right to a T. It was great, and I thought it ended on a really positive note for both of them. But just because Ray gave Kyle his blessing to marry Lola doesn't mean... That someone else will. I don't think Ray is going to be the obstacle for Kyle and Lola. I think Mrs. Rosales, who we know is going to be coming around the mountain in a couple weeks. I think she is maybe possibly going to be an obstacle for them. Is she going to be all for her youngest child Going ahead with these impromptu nuptials to a
1: man who is technically still married? Or do you think she's going to have a little something to say about that? Maybe Lauren always does
0: business with this sexy air about her and Jack is just in a place where he's especially susceptible to Lauren's sex power. I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to continue uh, my theory that Lauren and Jack are just friends and so I'm putting my fingers in my ears and I'm closing my eyes and I'm going, yep, yep, they're just friends. It's just friends, I swear. (laughs) Because I don't want it to be more than just friends. I'm too afraid of this. Oh, but it, it's not looking good. Jack did not want to let Lauren leave that Jabot collective party. He was like, can I pour you another glass of champagne? And he did not want Lauren to leave their little dinner meeting on on Friday, even after Michael left. And he was also kind of watching her walk out the door. <laughs> Lauren was slinking away like with her hips swaying side to side and he was looking oh I mean I can't blame him he's human but he really does seem especially taken with her she's married Jack she's married and you know it they talked about it (laughs) I am concerned I have fear Here, I am really concerned. Jack was asking Lauren what was the secret to her and Michael's marital success. And Lauren made sure to mention that they haven't always been this happy. That they have had their problems in the past that they've had to overcome. And we all know that one of their most recent problems was that little affair that she had with Carmine. Ooh, I think that was Weiner's way of telling us that Michael and Lauren are not unshakable. But I cannot see Lauren making that same mistake twice. I cannot see her having another affair with anybody. But what if Michael just becomes jealous at the way Lauren and Jack are close? Could Michael become paranoid that something is going on between them, even if it isn't? I mean, it's not real hard to
1: figure out by the way that Jack's looking at his wife that Jack wouldn't mind having a piece of that for himself. I do not think... That
0: Tracy expected to be writing a romance novel any more than she expected to find herself attracted to Kane in the process. I think Tracy just tried to get on board the creative flow, and this is where it took her. Because this week we saw Iris confessing her love to Flynn and then kissing him and then Tracy backs it up and considers a rewrite of that. Oh. I thought it was kind of great. I know I'm in the minority now, but I loved it when she told him that he always goes after these women who don't appreciate him when the real woman who really loves him is standing right here. Ah, I thought it was kind of great. And I thought that it was some really well-delivered dialogue by both of the actors. I know that those accents are probably tough to nail, but I thought that they both nailed it, and I thought it was fun. But, you know, we did a poll question last, uh, like, a week or two weeks ago, and it seemed like the majority of people weren't into it. And I also said last week I could see how some fans would maybe not connect in with this story. Well, this week I saw a Soaps in Depth article that said, apparently, Beth Maitland, who plays Tracy, has had to do some defending of the storyline. I guess she's been getting some hateful messages from fans who don't like Kane and Tracy together, and they were just, you know, saying mean things to her, and that really pisses me off, (laughs) because I just, I don't see why anyone would feel the need to lash out at the actors who are just doing their job it's so immature and tiny world little tiny perspective it's just like have you not, have you no ability to pull yourself out of your tiny little world and go oh it's a tv show and oh she's an actress and oh she's performing it why would you attack Someone, especially who just seems so sweet and kind as as Tracy. And like Tracy, Beth Maitland handled it so well. She has so much grace and so much kindness. And even though I'm sure it hurts her, like, how hard is it to put yourself out there? It is hard to put yourself out there for the world and then some, I don't know, some someone who's probably not satisfied in their own life comes along and just tries to slay you. It's so, when you're trying to be raw and to offer something to someone, I don't know. It just, I felt so bad for her. She is such a human being and I I just really like the way she handled it. You can find the article at cbssoapsindepth.com. Ugh, I just don't understand why people are so horrible. If you don't like the story or a character, that's okay. But don't send hateful messages to the actors. See, this is exactly the reason why Y&R should have done a celebrity stalking storyline. How relevant and timely
1: would that have been right now? Nope. Just forget it. There will be no more stalker. He is gone forever.
0: Everything we talked about last week was exactly correct. The stalker was just a plot device to make Mariah realize that she doesn't want to be a GC buzzer anymore, which is fine with me. GC buzz jumped the shark a long time ago for me. But... More importantly, it also gave Devon an opportunity to pay it forward to another young up-and-comer, just like Neil asked him to do in his last will and testament. By giving Mariah a job at another one of his companies, Devon decides to offer Mariah to become the head of power communications. Okay, can I first say, I hate the name power communications. It is so cheesy. Can we not have come up with anything better than power communications? (laughs) It's just so, so bad. But, all right, I accept it. Power communications, I guess. Mariah taking the leap from becoming a, a reluctant barista to becoming a reluctant TV host to then becoming a reluctant PR representative it's not that more of a leap than any of the other career tracks that other people have had in town so I'm going to assume that Mariah is gonna take that job and run with it and that Mariah will also be doing some PR for LP which means all of this, as we said last week, is just another avenue for Mariah to collide with Anna on. And honestly, do you think that Tessa is going to be satisfied playing music in the park uh, or playing music at society for just tips forever? Because I don't. Tessa seemed somehow nervous about that performance at society. Um, I wonder if maybe that's not what she really wants to be doing. And I wonder if Mariah, working under the Hamilton Winters umbrella, is going to give Tessa somehow a second shot at her recording career. I think we can all see the writing on the wall here, no? Tessa's going to find herself in the middle of Anna
1: and Mariah in one way or another. Jet ran out the door so fast this week I barely got a chance to say goodbye.
0: (laughs) Was it even a goodbye? I don't know. But Jet's off on tour. And Elena has decided to stay around. Elena tried to pretend for about a minute that she was going to go get another job and then get an apartment and leave Devon's luxury condo. Yeah, right. (laughs) Girl, please. Why don't you just kick back, kick up your feet up onto one of those fuzzy couch pillows that Devon's got, have a drink, and order up a brand new wardrobe on Devon's Fenmore's charge card. Enjoy it, girl! (laughs) You hit the boyfriend jackpot. (laughs) Embrace it. (sighs) Ugh. Devon is so totally head over heels about Elena. And I actually think that it's a good thing. I don't even think that he's trying to replace Hillary in any way. I don't think that he is seeing visions of Hillary because it has anything to do with Elena. See, Devon is never going to be over... Hillary. He's never going to get over the loss of his wife and his child. It's a reality that he is going to have to continue to face every single day in one way or another for the rest of his life. So I actually think it's a good thing that he's seeing Hillary because it represents that he is facing that reality. He's not trying to hide from it. He's not trying to tuck it into the back of his mind. When he made love to Elena this week, he wasn't seeing Hillary in the bedroom. He wasn't seeing Hillary's face transposed onto Elena's body. It was afterwards that he saw her as if he was acknowledging the past At the same time that he was stepping forward into his future with Elena. I mean, I don't know. I think Devon and Elena are adorable. The only thing I could possibly want more from them and him is maybe another therapy session for Devon. Maybe give Devon someone to talk to about the feelings that he's having and this crossroads that he's at between his old life and his new life. I think Devon needs to talk to someone real, someone who can validate for him
1: that in reality it's okay for him to move on. He thought you were Little Red Riding Hood. Turns out,
0: you're the big bad wolf. Who said it? The answer? Billy! Billy said, you are the big bad wolf, to Victoria, about Victor underestimating her ability to be ruthless. Is she really... (laughs) The big bad wolf, though, I ask you, especially now, knowing that she kind of got had. She spent $50 million for nothing. Was that her personal fund, by the way, or did that end up coming from the company? I'm not sure, but I am sure that it was a little bit of a tricky quote, because only six of you guessed it right. Congratulations, Keisha, Sheila, Henry, Tina Cole, Nancy, and Justin. You guys nailed it. Here's a happy little quote for this week. I don't know. I just liked it. It seems relevant. Why repeat history when you're looking for a new beginning? Hmm. That's just how I feel. I felt it. I heard it. I thought, oh, that's the one. Why repeat history when you're looking for a new beginning? Well, I tell you, I'm looking for a new beginning, and I love that quote. If you think you know who said it, go to yrchat.com to leave your guess. And if you get it right, then I will give you your shout-out
1: on next week's chat. Okay, it's comment time, and I promised you guys last week that I would collate
0: all of the comments about Abby and Nate, and feed those back to you this week, so let's start with Anna. Anna says, I love this Nate and this Abby. They are so much more interesting as a couple. They complement one another. I would watch a storyline with them in it, and that's saying something. (laughs) Jamie was also loving new Nate and Abby, but also feels kind of guilty for loving a recast of Nate so much. Uh, But Jamie says it's uh, one of her favorite things on the show. Well, hey. (laughs) Uh, Good for you. Also, stay safe uh, in Missouri there, Jamie. I love Missouri. I've been there a couple of times. That's some beautiful country out there, but I know you're getting flooded. It's the Midwest, boy. We get some weather out here. So I hope you are staying safe, and I'm glad that you're able to kind of disconnect from all of that drama and sink into some, some light-hearted lovin's with Nate and Abby. Ellen says, Hey, Allie, since we're longtime pals, I feel I can tell you this. You know how Nikki is a mean girl toward Sharon? Well, you're kind of sort of like that toward Abby. If this actress walked on water, you just might say, Meh, that's been done. Okay, I'm exaggerating a bit, but wow, poor Abby was done dirty by Arturo and Mia, just like Mia predicted, just like every other man has done to Abby, including her own father who treats her like an afterthought. Maybe we can try to give Abby and newfangled Nate a chance. I would like to see poor Abby be happy. Maybe Abby and Nate Jr. can even have playdates with Allie Jr. Well, I mean, shoot... (laughs) <laughs> Ouch! Comparing me uh, and my and my feelings toward Abby to the way Nikki treats Sharon is a bit of a stretch. I would say I've never meant to be mean by any stretch of the imagination toward uh, Abby, but I also don't want to sit here and lie about which characters I feel connected to or which stories I feel connected to. And I, I haven't felt personally connected to Abby, the actress. You know, I've said many times, just it just It's just not my cup of tea, Uh, but that uh, definitely doesn't mean that I don't want y'all to enjoy it. I also think that, um, you know, we all kind of put our own personal stuff um, onto the show, and there's different reasons why different people respond to different stories, and Uh, To be honest with you right now, I am going through a little bit of a family drama, and it has been kind of hard. Um, There's a lot of grief and stuff going on, and I have been really trying to keep it super positive for YNR, but I also acknowledge that there are some times that I feel frustrated about the show, and I have had to ask myself, okay, am I frustrated about life, or am I frustrated about the show? And last week, I will admit, I did check out on Abby and Nate a little bit because I just, you know, I had felt that way about Abby previously, and then now we're getting to her new relationship, and there was definitely a part of me that was like, I just don't have anything to give this right now. So I'm going to check out, I'm going to let the YNR chatters tell me why I should love them. I'm going to let, I wanted to kind of farm out some of that positivity because I just couldn't find it in myself. And, um, you know, I'm going to probably continue to struggle to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, am I, I, it's, you know, I want to try to be positive and get up, give everybody a, a fair shot. And so, uh, you know, I don't want to come off in any way as being um, you know, disparaging toward a, a, a character or a storyline that someone else loves. I've never wanted to do that. That's sort of the whole point of why in our chat is to keep it positive. But I have to work at it a little bit, too. You know, I'm, I'm not not perfect. So please don't throw a brick through my window <laughs> and uh, with a note attached saying that I'm ruining anyone's life with my gossip, um, because it's certainly unintended. You know, we've all got our own stuffs, including me. But... I, I, I definitely did go through with my promise to pull together some positive comments for them. I at least did that. Uh, a- a- Leslie says, I like Abby with Nate. I just struggle to see a storyline to keep them interesting. I like Abby, the character, most of the time, and I feel bad when she gets a tougher break than most. I feel about Mariah, Leslie says, the way that Allie feels about Abby. The character bores me and has no chemistry with anyone. Well, yes. See, I, um, now I love Mariah, and here's someone who doesn't connect with Mariah. So I think we're all just kind of coming from different places, and it's all good. And I, you know, I, I don't have anything specifically, I guess, um, against the character. I agree she's had a, a tough break. She just isn't my favorite. You know, what are you going to do? You got to have your favorites or your not favorites. I, I guess I can't love everybody equally. I'll tell you who I'm having some trouble loving, though, is uh, Adam. <laughs> this is—I have been struggling. This is another one of those instances where, again, I'm kind of going through something. Um, uh, did I say a death in the family? It was a death in the family um, that is very difficult, and I am kind of struggling to, to with myself as I'm watching my and I'm going, okay, it, am I not liking this storyline because I've got some angst going on, like some personal stuff going on, or am I not locking this story because it's not a good story? And it is a constant balance to try to figure that out, but I really like this comment from Gary who says, honestly, it seems like such bad management on YNR's part that they're going full speed ahead with this Adam story uh, of trying to take Christian from Nick. I would think that they would create a more subtle human Adam, And then have this evolve later on after he's settled himself back into town. To have him come back right away and try to grab this baby from Nick is so villainous. And it's just that they could create so much more of a complex story if they'd waited on it. That helps me kind of validate my feelings for Adam because I I do see him as very villainous right now. I see Adam as a villain character, which is not how I felt about the previous incarnation. And I do, I keep checking myself like, okay, am I mad at him because I'm working my own stuff out or is, is he villainous? So I think, but I think you're right. I really do. I think that... Y&R is definitely, as as I said earlier, they're like having Adam crash through the living room wall and he's taking no prisoners and it's all without that little bit of a human touch. I would think that the story and the character would be a little bit more better served if we had a little bit of that humanity in there that would help me understand why he's doing what he's doing. And You know, we've had various moments of him clutching the photo of Christian, and I get that he had no one, and now he realizes that he has someone. But it, it is just purely from a story perspective. It feels a little imbalanced. Uh, why isn't he spending more time trying to track down Chelsea and Connor, and he's really going at this a, a, a big, dramatic, wrong, roundabout way? Uh, i th- I think the story could be better, but then I never want to take away from something that someone else is really enjoying. So, um, you know, it's hard kind of riding that line, not only within myself, but also balancing all all of all of the different views of everything everybody else is saying. I mean, look at this this is just four pages of notes, just of the things that I've. Um, you know, brought brought together just to talk about for YNR chat. So there's a lot of opinions and stuff going on there too, um, and uh, you know maybe YNR is doing a successful job in that they're getting us talking about it. But also Diana says, I wish Adam didn't come back so fierce and ruthless with his family. I would like to understand Adam more, and it seems like he's so angry and resentful right out of the gate without an explanation, especially toward Nick. I would rather him be more likable and then gradually build up to where we are, are now. I guess he changed when he was living in Vegas with no one to love or that loved him. Maybe that's why he became so cold. I was thinking earlier in the week, I got a very cold, calculating vibe from Michael Mooney's version of Adam, more so than Justin Hartley. I think Justin Hartley had that romantic connection with Chelsea. That was primarily what was focused on. We saw Adam, the husband, Adam, the father. And now here we are with Mark Grossman, and it almost seems like a return to the Mooney Version of Adam, almost like the the Hartley version is kind of gone. Like maybe Chelsea brought out the best in him, and with Chelsea gone and moved on, maybe that's where uh, you know, where the the viciousness is coming from. I'm sure that that could. I, I just want a little more of that, though. I want more of that humanity, so that I don't have to work so hard. That's another thing. It's like you know when you're going through all this other stuff in life, it's like, I, I just, I don't want to have to work so hard to like something. And, uh, and I feel like I am having to work pretty hard to like Adam specifically right now. And last week it was Abby. I was just like, I don't have the emotional energy to give to this. I just don't have it. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll, 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 release that back to the crowd. Uh, but here, I mean, it's it's interesting to at least hear a couple other people were sort are sort of in that ballpark also with Adam, which is the a, a big forefront part of the show right now. It's hard to miss. Ellen says, "Of course, Christian should not suddenly be snatched away from the only father and home that he's ever known, but." Christian is Adam's son. Wouldn't it be a lot easier for Adam to go to court to seek custody? If Nick had been smart, he would have built an alliance with Adam when he came back from the dead. Maybe he could have worked something out with Adam. Nick just beating his chest and insulting Adam is so pathetic. It's never going to work. Plus, have you ever heard of an adopted child who doesn't want to know their biological parents? Come on, Nick, think long term here. This is a fair point, Ellen, in that Nick and Victoria made Adam an enemy immediately. They didn't try to broker any kind of peace with him. They immediately went on to the defensive at a time when he wasn't trying to gain anything extra. I mean, I was suspicious of him um, as much as they were. But but yeah, uh, uh, that is a fair point that all... I mean, it isn't just... The onus wouldn't just be on Adam to broker the peace. It would need to come from both sides. Shikona says Nick had no mercy on Dylan, his own brother, a good man, when he snatched Sully, Christian, away with no remorse. If the same thing happens to him, it would be karma. Oh, 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 that's very good that Nick did the same thing to Dylan, his brother, who was a good man. Leslie says, I agree with what Shakona says. I've waited for the day that Adam comes to turn the tables on Nick since Nick was so cruel. And the main reason I wanted Adam back, I even see Sharon... Oh, oh, wait, 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 sorry. Uh, Nick was so cool, and it was the main reason I wanted Adam back. I even see Sharon resuming the mother figure role, causing more tension with Ray. Years ago, there was a real-life story about baby Jessica, whose mother gave her up without the father knowing. He found out, fought the adoption, and after a long fight, uh, the biological parents got her back. Um, And it was at around Christian's age. The girl's grown now, has no memory of the years with the adoptive parents, and says she has a good life. Oh, Leslie, baby Jessica. Didn't they make a TV movie about that? Oh, my goodness. Well, um, very good point. I think the difference for me in all of this is that Adam did give – Christian up. I would say that's where it parts ways with the baby Jessica story, for instance, Um, because Adam walked away, and then he decided out of the blue years later that he wanted the child back, and you don't just get to do that. He made this decision to give the kid away. He disowned him. I mean, he switched the paternity test results, like distanced himself intentionally from the child, and I think now is time to accept the consequences. I am not opposed to Adam having a relationship with Christian and becoming his dad someday, but he's gonna have to earn it, I think. Daisy says, why doesn't Nick get a court order preventing Adam from removing Christian from his care? I can't imagine any court would ever give Adam custody. Doing so at this point would really hurt Christian. And Adam, regardless of what has happened to him in the past, has no legal grounds. He decided to leave Christian with Nick a long time ago, even to the point where he changed the paternity tests. You know what? Also, um, this is uh, skipping back a couple of comments, but I don't remember Nick being as vicious with Dylan as Adam is being with uh, Nick. Are the are uh, I don't know? I mean, I remember Nick wanting the child, but I think in Dylan's heart he knew that he, you know, that it was an accident. Nick didn't know it was his child. Adam gave the child away. And now he's fighting like it's a war to get him back as if it was taken from him. Nobody took Christian from him. He gave him away. And so that wasn't really the case with Dylan and Nick, though. Sorry, but anyway, I, I also I, I skipped back a couple of comments there, um, but I, I was thinking that is a good question about why the courts aren't involved. I mean, I would probably be complaining about that if they were like, "Ugh, court drama bull) <laughs> Because, yeah, I would think, but do we have any documentation? What is the status of that? Is there any kind of paternity written down anywhere? And also, wasn't it right around last Father's Day that Victor was trying to take Christian away from Nick and that failed? Now, here we are a year later and it's Adam trying to do it. Ugh. Marianne says, I will make a hopeful prediction. I hope that Chelsea's new husband is not... A new character. That it would be more dramatic for it to be a character from the past. That'd be a good way to reintroduce a character to the show. Ooh, yeah. I wondered that too. There was a part of me that thought, oh, is could Chelsea be married to Kevin or something? Or who knows? There's a you know a long list of people who you even mentioned who could come back as Chelsea's husband. But I like that idea. Could she be married to someone we know? Because then that person could come back onto the show, and they would have uh, adopted custody or whatever of connor (laughs) what a tangled web diana says i wonder who put the cookies in the cookie jar that is sitting on the counter at adam's place somehow i don't picture him going to the grocery store and buying cookies and going through the motions of putting cookies in the cookie jar. Did Victor order Cook or some other staff member to put them in there before Adam moved in? A very unimportant and useless thought, but I can't help but wonder. Yes, Diana, can we please just talk a minute about these cookies? They were so out of place for that scene. Adam was tempting Phyllis to come over to the dark side, yet the background said, Can I offer you a cookie? <laughs> a big cookie too those are some big delicious looking cookies maybe I was just hungry watching that episode but they did not fit I mean that whole tack house is horse and power and globe and world domination themed can I offer you a cookie too (laughs) would you like a cookie to go with your revenge where was the milk I ask you where was the milk Tina Cole says, I think this week YNR should be dedicated to Gina Tognoni, who gave an incredible performance of Phyllis and became one of the best on YNR. Her last scene came way too quickly, and as much as I'm excited to see where the show will go with new and returning actors, Gina will be missed. I fell in love with Gina's Phyllis, and she made the character her own. Gina gave me a version of Phyllis that I didn't even know I needed on this show until she played it on her screen. Wishing you all the best, Gina, in your future endeavors. (gasps) Tina Cole, was that Gina's last scene and I didn't even know it? Where she's trapped in the room? Oh my goodness, I didn't even know that. So are we done? I think you... I, I, are we done then with Gina Jognoni until Michelle Stafford comes back? Maybe in a few weeks? Oh. Hmm. Well, yeah. I just wish they would have had her in a better outfit. The way she was laying there on that yucky, dirty mattress. Why did... Kevin even have a dirty mattress in that room. Did he go to the trouble of putting the mattress in there for Phyllis's comfort? (laughs) Or did he borrow this weird trap-locked room from somebody who already had the mattress set up, and that's even worse? Um, Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I wish she would have went out looking a little better, maybe a little happier, Um, But I mean, no doubt about it. Gina Tognoni is a total pro. I hope that she has lots of work lined up. Maybe she'll do some theater or something. Who knows? She has a whole world ahead of her. I I, I loved her. I have mad respect for her and I'm going to miss her like crazy. I'm going to miss her like dot 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 crazy dot 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 Michelle Stafford. Gary says, is Phyllis' psychosis a combination of all her recent failed relationships? Bombing out at the job, no severance pay? Why does she care so much about the Abbots? She's not an abbot. Why did she care if they screwed her over? She is an outsider. Is this justified or is it over the top? <sighs> Well, I think it's over the top, and I agree with you, Gary. I think uh, Phyllis's. Is- Whole outsider vibe doesn't feel totally justified. That's why it feels like Adam is the one who fanned those flames. It felt like she was a little unstable and he kind of pointed her in a direction and watched her go. He kind of weaponized Phyllis in a way. I'm not saying Phyllis wasn't capable of making her own decisions. And she's responsible for her own actions of course. But it doesn't the actions don't totally make sense. She's so upset because she lost her job Like, a lot of this is because she lost her job? I mean, I guess people have had a lot less reasons on this show. But I feel ya. I feel ya. Tina Cole says, if Phyllis could so easily hack into Dark Horse No Problem, which happens to have top-of-the-line security system, how come she asked Summer to leave her computer open so she could see Jabot's server? Couldn't she use her hacking skills for Jabot? Or are we under the impression that the only way to get into Jabot's very highly secured network is by remembering your daughter's old password? (laughs) Well, Phyllis is an expert computer hacker. We must, must remember. I laughed a little bit, too, at Sharon's comment to Ray. Um that Ray was Ray was like, "What? Phyllis hacked into the servers?" And Sharon said, "Oh yeah, that's just another one of Phyllis's special skills. She happens to be a hacker." <laughs> Boy, is Phyllis going to be pissed at Kevin when she gets out of this. <laughs> Kevin's going to have some hell to pay. Consuela says, Yay, my favorite bad boy is back. I was freaking ecstatic when I saw Kevin was back in his original bad boy role. Consuela, I love that you call it his original bad boy role. One of his early storylines, he was so bad, he locked Colleen in a freezer, <laughs> didn't he? Or was it a fire? I think it was a freezer, and then he set it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, original bad boy, and here he is, back to his roots. Daisy says, I really hope Phyllis gets away and looks for Nick, not just for him to help her, but for her to fess up to her part in Adam's hack. Maybe Nick can use that to get Adam out of his company. Although maybe Victor can help him. Well, if Nick agrees to Dark Horse being under the Newman umbrella, that is. Well, you hit on something key there. Nick consulted with Michael later in the week and said, hey, is there anything I can do about this coup that Adam just pulled? And Michael said, well, yeah, you can find somebody else to finance you. Maybe you can buy the debt back. And we all know who has deep, 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 deep pockets in this town. I mean, Nick would probably, I would think he would rather let the company burn to the ground rather than go to Victor for help, but they were bonding a little bit too this week, so maybe Victor will agree to bail out Dark Horse in exchange for it coming under the Newman umbrella, and then he'll probably make both of the boys work together. Hmm, good point, good question. Anna says, I want Phyllis and Adam to run Dark Horse. Adam is really the Dark Horse, and it, it, Adam is really the Dark Horse in that a Dark Horse is someone who's underestimated, and then they come from behind and win. Mm-hmm. I know, it's like, I felt like Wiener tried to make Nick a Dark Horse. They tried for a minute to try to make Nick like an Adam, a little bit conniving, a little bit schemey, and it just never really worked. Josh Morrow. Bless his heart, he just doesn't pull it off. (laughs) But yeah, I think you make a good point. Like Dark Horse would have been the perfect name for Adam's company that he would have started. So who knows, maybe he will end up owning it. Maybe he will literally just own Dark Horse and be the new owner. And Nick will go back to Newman or do something else. Uh, Also, Anna thinks we should do another poll about Adam in the upcoming weeks because he picked up the pace over the course of this week. Yeah, because we did the initial first impression poll about Adam when the actor first came on. And I think the majority of people were not feeling the performance. But now as we're getting into it a little more, yeah, we should do a follow up poll and find out if people who didn't like him at first, maybe their opinion has changed. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it is given some pretty good drama. It's given lots of stuff to talk about. Well, speaking of polls, let's get some comments about uh, the Sharon and Ray or Sharon and Adam poll. Tina Cole says she votes Ray, Sharon and Ray. Uh, I am still all for the Sharon and Ray Love story. They just got together and like to have them as a couple f- and I'd like to have them as a couple for longer. I think I would also like to first see this actor's chemistry with Chelsea before we paid him off. Who knows? maybe Adam will get with Phyllis. Yeah, I saw that comment a couple times this week. Is Adam gonna hook up with Phyllis at some point in the future? I could see it. I could certainly see it. They'd be a pretty. Formidable duo, would not they? Consuela says that imaginary sex scene with Adam and Sharon was freaking hot. So much hotter than Ray and Sharon. Adam and Sharon was extra steamy. (laughs) Uh, And Maria makes a good point saying Adam and Sharon are steamy together for a hot minute. But when it comes to marriage and long-term relationship, I would rather see Sharon with Ray. I know. Ray is the Marion man. Ray's the good catch. I want to see Sharon have a good catch. Oh, Diana did a little bit of research here for us. Uh, Diana says, I had never heard of the shot, the shooter, Hot damn, that drink that they were drinking in the bar. Uh, So Diana says, I looked it up to see if it was a real drink or just something made up for the show. Apparently, a hot damn is a real drink. Summer and Theo and Natalia were drinking. The ingredients are one part whiskey, (laughs) one part orange juice, one part rum, and one part vodka. (laughs) So essentially Diana, what you're saying is it's like three it's like it's like a, a three quarters liquor <laughs> one quarter orange juice. <laughs> whiskey, rum, vodka, and orange juice. I mean, at that point, with all that, you might as well just skip the orange juice and have all the rest of them. You might as well just start drinking back the bottles. (laughs) Hot damn is probably right. That will probably like burn your throat and your chest and all of your insides on the way down. Ooh, no thank you. No thank you. Kyle and Lola. Let's talk about those two lovebirds. Shacona says, will summer get... Pregnant by new guy Theo, and then decide that Kyle is the father to save her sham of a marriage. Survey says, Yes, I hadn't even thought of that. Oh, would she really do that? She seems like oh, she seems like she's over it. And also, wow, if she is pregnant, she's drinking a lot. <laughs> Well, I guess then if, yeah, if Theo was the, maybe she would need to pull it back. Maybe that, maybe what you're saying is true. Maybe we're going to see Summer in the coming weeks throwing up. Oh, man. And then it's a question of, oh, is it because she's drinking so much? Or is it because of her liver? Maybe she'll go into the doctor to see if there is something wrong with her liver and she'll find out that she's pregnant. And then will she try to pass off the baby as Kyle? I don't know. We've been trying to make Summer pregnant for a while now, haven't we? Ever since Billy. I don't know. Shakona also says that both Kyle and Lola are way too immature to get married. Running to members of their family for approval is so childish. Well, Lisa seems to think that Ray and Lola's mom who uh, is Ava LaRue, cast uh, cast onto the show just fairly recently, Lisa thinks that Ray and Lola's mom is going to stir up trouble in a different way than I said on the show, uh, that maybe there'll be a triangle between her and Jack and Lauren. Lisa says, with Kevin returning to the show, Michael may be pulled to the dark side to try to help him, could partner with Phyllis, and that could cause some problems in his happy marriage. That's a good question. Kevin's going to come back and he's going to be a dark, dark, dark. And we know that Michael's going to want to run in there and save the day. If he is dealing with Kevin and all that drama and madness and then he gets even a little whiff of something going on with Lauren and Jack, it could definitely cause some problems in their marriage. But you're getting kind of the same vibe that I am, that Lauren is just sexy. She is just attractive. The woman can't help it. And it's, you know, I mean, of course Jack is going to be attracted to her. Of course any man is going to be attracted to her but maybe it's not gonna be lauren who's gonna do anything to mess up this marriage maybe it's gonna be michael and yeah i mean i think um ray and lola's mom would probably be in right around the age range right where she could snuggle up in there on an easy triangle with lauren and uh jack hmm Oh, well, I got to say this. Justin says, my best dressed for Victoria and Billy's party is Phyllis. Next to her was Nikki. And my worst dress was Summer. That dress looked too much like a silk robe. Oh, how funny, Justin, because I could not, I was like, ugh. I thought Phyllis's dress was awful. It was all black, and then it had like these trellis. Like, she looked like a fence. (laughs) Uh, The trellis was on the top and on the bottom. I was like, this looks so bad. Also, it was weird that she was wearing what looked like a funeral dress at what I'm assuming now is Gina's final scenes, but it was certainly kind of a funeral for the old style of Phyllis. Whereas I loved what Summer was wearing. I saw a couple comments of people who did not like Summer's fashion, but I don't know. It was sort of vintagey retros like pink and silky and something about it just I don't know looked different to me I liked it see there's a little something for everybody on on YR these days. Oh well speaking of summer Mary asks it's summer and I miss the dive bar. is it gone forever? I bet it is, Mary. I hate to say it, but I think that they have condensed all of the restaurant sets. I think we're going to be having nothing but society, society, society for the entire summer, which means they are probably not going to put together that pool set, which is the same. a shame. I agree. I really liked the upstairs, uh, the rooftop bar with the the glowing lights and the dance DJ party and also the waves of the water kind of uh, being in the back background and reflecting on people's faces i thought that was a really beautiful set but i got a feeling it's gone um who knows though maybe we'll see it again in the future maybe somebody could out of the blue decide that they need a career change and then devon can revive it and pick somebody else to become
1: the head of that restaurant Okay, my YR friends. I think I've done a a good job here at
0: YNR chat this week. I sure tried. And I am sorry if um you know if I seem down or if I'm not being as positive as I normally am. I sure don't mean to. It's just one of those things. It's hard to not let uh, real life bleed into your your damn fiction. You know, I mean, I hate that when real life is bleeding into my my damn fantasy. <laughs> trying to enjoy my shows over here, and all reality starts like busting down the front door. <laughs> That's so rude of life. <laughs> I'm trying though. I'm trying to pick up pick it up and trying to be positive. But I guess just know that if I, if I seem off next couple of weeks. It ain't gonna go away. And if I seem <laughs> if I seem a little off, uh, that's that's probably why. So bear with me. Maybe give me a little inch of uh, some extra slack and don't take offense, please, if I if I say anything wrong. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure not meaning to. Um, okay, well, okay. Why <laughs> our chat slash slight alley therapy? <sighs> It's nice just to know you guys are there though. I sure I really do appreciate your participation and your comments and to know that you're watching the show right along with me. So keep them coming, don't go away. I love you. I I I totally appreciate that you're there and I will be back next week and we will see where we are in our in our little reality and fiction blended universe here. <laughs> okay, I love you guys. Have a good one.
1: Bye.